Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Comedy, art, and sometimes rock and roll. Let's do a public opinion poll. Raise your hand if you love creative control. Cause when Vish is unleashed, well, you. Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I was just working on a tribute song to my favorite podcast, Creative Control, with Vish Khanna. My name is Matthias, and I play in a band called The Burning Hell, but more importantly, I support Creative Control on Patreon, and I think you should too. Quality long-form arts journalism is like a magical talking unicorn. It definitely exists, but it can be really hard to find. Fortunately for us, Vish makes it easy with hundreds of funny, thought-provoking, well-researched and engaging interviews with artists from all over the world. Your flexible monthly donation on Patreon will get you plenty of special exclusive treats and help Vish keep his podcast well-fed and cared for properly, the way a magical unicorn deserves. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. Creative Control with Vish Comic. John Doerr is an award-winning stand-up comedian and actor who currently calls Juneau, Alaska home. A star of stage and screen, Doerr is originally from Ottawa, Ontario, and was a favorite and particularly memorable stand-up guest on Conan O'Brien's show, uh, which was just called Conan. And he, too, once helmed his own very funny television show, which was called The John Doerr Television Show. 
He co-created a striking and star-studded faux documentary show called Humor Resources, which aired on CBC in 2021. And his latest live album, A Person Who Is Gingerbread, won the 2023 Juno Award in Canada for Comedy Album of the Year. Between November 10th and 25th, John rips through the Canadian prairies and its comedy clubs for shows in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. And so it seemed like a good time for us to reconnect to discuss things like uh, his desire to move out of Alaska and back to Ottawa very, very soon. His remarkable-sounding partner, who should not be judged by her checkered past. The inspiration for the show, Humor Resources. Whether audience feedback about his work has ever made him reconsider a joke. What the term post-pandemic actually might mean at this point. Why Tom Green and I apparently need to talk. Remembering interactions with uh, my hero, Norm MacDonald, including a great story about a night out uh, between uh, John and Norm there gambling together. Pondering making a new comedy special, a new podcast he's working on with his sister, other Canadian tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. That is the primary source of revenue uh, that I get for making this show every week and it's uh, it's a lowly amount and I wish it were higher because the higher it gets uh, the more I can just make the show and not have to worry about uh, other work but uh, such as what do I like to say? Say la viche. Anyway, if you'd like to support the show head over to patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you very much. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 818 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented John Doerr with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, John, how's it going? It's great. I'm doing great, Vish. How are you? I'm very well. It's nice to have you back on the show. I uh, really appreciate uh, you uh, giving me some time. Where in the world are you today? I am in Juneau, Alaska. Ah, yes. Uh, You've been there how long, roughly? Well, uh, too long. I moved here. I started (laughs) coming up to Alaska to perform stand-up comedy for several years. And in 2018, while performing in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, after the show, I met a human woman mm-hmm. and uh, I ended up falling in love. Hmm. So well, then my trips yeah. my trips to Alaska became more frequent. So I moved up here officially uh, in 2019. So yeah, what is that? Four years? Four wow. years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you said too long. Are you getting itchy? Do you got to get out of there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have to go. It's it's not a great place. Probably a wonderful place to visit when you see uh, cruise ships pull up and tourists get off on a sunny day. Yeah, and they see um, beautiful homes in the 
uh, in the Gastineau Channel, uh, polka dotting the hills and mountains of Juneau, Alaska. They probably think I would love to live here. Yeah. Uh, but those sunny days last about two weeks in the summer, and then it's rain and fog and cold, and flights don't land, and customer service is terrible. Yes. Um, we live out the road in a in a home. Myself, my partner, her daughter, well, our daughter, and uh, our newborn son. Well, he's a year and a half now, hmm. and. Uh, qu- You've seen the movie The Shining, Vish? Oh, yes, very much so, yes, many times. It's a lot like that. It's a lot like that. I feel like uh, occasionally I'm just sitting at a typewriter like Jack Nicholson and uh, <laughs> typing the same thing over and over again. Well, I'm losing my mind. Um, it's a wonderful place to visit, but I wouldn't recommend moving here. Okay, well, I, uh, I you know, what's the expression? Please tell us how you really think, I guess is what people say. I uh, <laughs> didn't realize it was that bad. How serious is the discussion about moving, per se? Oh, the, the discussion is very serious. It's actually moved into, we're in agreement now. We are moving, and the plan is to move back to Canada, get the family yeah. back to Canada so we can raise children in an environment that is a little more conducive to uh, their future yeah. and a little bit more of a support system. So you know how it is with the kids. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we moved our uh, family from Ontario to Alberta. You moved from Ontario. I be- well, no, you've lived in a few different places, right? Yes, I was. Uh, I, I was. I was living the life of a selfish entertainer. I lived in, and I'm not using selfish in a bad way at all. It was. Uh, I, I was uh, very career focused. So I went from sure. Ottawa to Toronto. Lived in Toronto for eight years. Moved to Los Angeles. Put the effort in to get a green card, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived in Los Angeles for close to ten years, and then made the mistake of following my heart instead of using my brain, and that's why I live up in Alaska now. But yeah, moving back to Canada would be so wonderful. I got to take the family to uh, Ottawa and Quebec uh, over the summer. So they got to see cottage country and experience Ontario uh, humid summer uh, uh, thunderstorms. The feeling, it was it could not have been better. So that, that sealed the deal. And uh, now we just got to work with immigration to get my partner, Christina, into the country. I We're see. dealing with a criminal record here, Vish. No. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, wait, who? Criminals are people, too. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you have a criminal record or does she? (laughs) No, no. I never got caught. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Well, do you want to elaborate upon this? I didn't I didn't know we were getting into this. It's a legal issue. For sure. I didn't realize that. Is everything okay? <laughs> sure. Everything's fine. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, right. I'm in a safe place. I'm in a safe place. I'm not in any danger. You're not, uh, you're not harboring, Alaska. you're not harboring a fugitive. Let's just establish that. Is that right? No, I am not harboring a fugitive. Okay. Um, this, she's not a fugitive. No, she okay. is someone who has uh, done her time, so to speak. Wow. Okay. Um, but wow. no, the, it's, it's it's just difficult. Uh, you know, crossing the border into Canada is uh, is difficult. So they got they have to make sure she was able to enter the country because of the work that she does. She in, so in the summer when we visited Ottawa, the work that she does took her to the White House uh, or sorry to the UN sponsored by the White House to speak for the Trilateral Women's Group. Oh, uh, about missing and murdered indigenous women. And so that's kind of her expertise, right? Her expertise is in uh, mental health and drug addiction. And uh, she works for the Alaska Network on Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. So very passionate, uh, radical um, uh, human being that wants to influence policy at the state and federal levels to make the world a better and safer place for marginalized groups and communities. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, so that's her passionate work. So she was petitioned by the Canadian government after they met her in New York at the UN to come to Canada. So that's how we were able to get around entering Canada for the time being. 
And so with a little bit more work and the help of an immigration lawyer, um, you know, her past is her past. And um, the work that she does now is far more important to the world. So um, it will just take a little bit of time, but uh, we will get this criminal into the country. Well, I, I must say, she sounds, I don't know uh, your, your spouse there, but she sounds like a brilliant, kind-hearted, empathetic scofflaw. Among the, the, the best lawbreakers I've ever heard about. So congratulations on all fronts. <laughs> That's wonderful. So given your experience living in different parts of uh, North America, at least, uh, is it, am I wrong to think you'll end up in the Ottawa area if you're able to move? That's correct. Yeah. The plan is to move, move where family is, family that wants to be around uh, children. Uh, we need a pressure release valve. I see. Okay. So Sharon and Dave Dorr and the rest of my family, I've got a great big supportive family, lots of cousins, you know, the same age as uh, my son Jackson and uh, daughter Emma. It would just be the perfect place. And it's selfishly motivated as well. I mean, there's lots of work that I could be doing from Canada. It'd be fun to go to Canada and just make that the sole focus of my work. Yeah. Well, no, that would be great. I know you did uh, some uh, Canadian work uh, during this uh, pandemic. You were you had a great show called, uh, I hope I have this right, Human Resources. Is that what it was called? It was called Humor Resources. Oh, sorry. Uh, See, I yeah, knew I got really it wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, but not too wrong. You were pretty close. <laughs> Humor Resources. Yeah, that was a very, I mean, it's, that was a really fun show to, to produce and make and create. Um, I wish it got a little bit more attention. But yeah, that pandemic, that was a weird thing. So making star television. Stu- it was a star-studded show as well, if I may. Yeah, you may. And I think we got lucky because of the pandemic, because that was we made that in 2020 when uh, the world was, you know, really locked down. There were no vaccines. There was no uh, there was no hope on the horizon. So I think we got lucky. People like Sarah Silverman, you know, Nikki Glaser, Eric Andre, those stars uh, were just sitting in their homes doing a bunch of nothing, twiddling their thumbs. So they took some uh Canadian CBC money and uh, and ran with it. So I had to call in some favors, but um, I got lucky because no one was doing anything anyway. Well, Humor Resources, it was a great show, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, where, where did the idea for that actually uh, kind of come from? Uh, that show, my friend Adam and Dave and I were throwing this idea back and forth. It was initially going to be a very silly Comedy Central pitch uh, for like a, you know, a five-minute online version of the show where um, just an idiot former stand-up comedian who's uh, he's a know-it-all um, thinks that he can take advantage of the way we're speaking about uh, subject matter in the creative world. So it was partially influenced by a lot of cancellations, uh, not serious cancellations that were rightfully so, I'd imagine, but cancellations due to words that people are using. Yeah. Uh, we thought it'd be funny. What if these people were responsible or they were all part of this big tent corporate thinking entity for comedy, um, and they always had to report for a, uh, a performance review every year. So we thought that would just be a funny concept. Uh, so it was originally going to be a little harsher and more, uh, I don't want to say darker, but um, address these topics a little more sincerely, but I would be a bigger idiot. Whereas uh, what it ended up being for the CBC was, the story of this guy living in the pandemic, trying to balance work and life, and um, made up a lot. A lot of the show was made up of these performance reviews. So we built files and uh, cases on all our employees, and so we grabbed transcripts of all their stand-up comedy specials, uh, tweets, and social media posts, and uh, we just uh, playfully 
called into question some of the language they were using and what they could do to be more inclusive. And there were always ridiculous suggestions that the comedians usually pushed back on. Yeah. But that was the original idea was a very short form concept that turned into something bigger. Yeah. Like any satire, it was rooted in uh, some manner of truth, uh, obviously exaggerated truth. Do you feel like uh, you got to something by spoofing it? Like, you know, satire can be a release valve. Uh, and comedians, I think, have been faced with these questions over and over again about what it means to try to do comedy in a in a landscape where you, it's, well, I, I don't know, you, there's a lot more scrutiny, I suppose. Were you making fun of comedy? Were you making fun of the scrutiny? Were you making fun of anything like that? Or what do you think you were getting the, at with that show? Yeah, if we were able to do it again, I would... Okay, well, we were poking fun at people trying to control language that's what it was it, yeah. it was yeah. how, how dare you? so it was the corporations it was people trying to police language in a creative field that requires context so if you were to just read someone's post and you heard a word or uh, thought uh, without the proper context um, you could obviously run wild with that yeah so that's what we were trying to do is poke fun of how people don't listen to the context and just hear an alarming word and run wild with it. Uh, we feel like that's that can be a huge problem. And that's where we wanted to shine a light on that ignorance. So yeah. that was the goal. And I think we did that to a degree. But that was the point of this character was to call someone out and then let them provide all the context and then have me retreat and say, oh, OK. Yeah. So that was the basic concept. So sometimes after a show... Uh, a comedian will leave the stage and if all goes well, uh, they fall madly in love with a criminal mastermind. That can happen. We've established <laughs> that. But another thing that can happen is uh, you'll do your material and uh, someone or some people in the audience will want to talk to you about it, whether they liked it, didn't like it, objected to something you said. How can you joke about this? Now, your comedy, I think uh, it, it pushes the envelope. So, to, I, I, you know, I want to be careful with this because uh, I think of you as an absurdist comic. I, I don't take it. Uh, I don't think what you're saying is rooted in truth, per se. I mean, maybe it is a little bit. Anyway, have you been confronted by people after a show in a way uh, that I'm describing where they've like, hey, how could you say such a thing? And within that, has anything that someone has said given you pause as a comedian to be like, you know what, maybe they that complaint, if you will, had some merit to it. Can you speak to those things? Do you encounter people after who want to talk to you about your you know, particular jokes or your material? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. I uh, Yeah, of course. <laughs> I have met. I mean, you don't even have to meet these people after the show. I mean, if you choose to read social media comments, uh, you'll hear about them. So yes, yes. Now, now these people aren't just there at the show. Uh, they're kind of getting into your brain at home. That's why I don't. I choose not to read anything um, about mm. myself. Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a couple ways I could approach that. I've definitely okay. So let me let me start with has has a comment from someone after a show given me pause? Absolutely. I've had to reevaluate a few times, you know, why I'm telling the joke and is the victim appropriate? I, I think for the most part, I'm coming at it as an ignorant doofus who's illuminating this is the opposite way you should think about something. Yeah. For instance, a lot of times I, I used to, I feel like I'm not doing this as much, but I used to just look for something controversial and find a fun way to talk about it. 
Whereas now, um, I don't have time for that because with a one and a half year old and nine year old and uh, being economical with my time and getting out on the road, I'm telling stories about my life. So I'm not searching for something controversial and looking to talk about it. Now it's what is going on in my life and how can I ignorantly walk through those waters? So now a lot of what I talk about is very personal to me. Mm -hmm. So if anyone did have a problem with it, I, I would just respond by saying that's my life. I also don't want to think like, I don't let the audience dictate what I'm going to be talking about, but there have been a few times where I've had to go back and retool how I'm explaining something so it's a little more digestible Yeah. instead of just hitting them over the head with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have regrets as well. There's a few times, uh, there's a couple of jokes I would never tell again. Hmm. And I don't want to get into the details of what they are because it'll just drum up more concern and more comments from people. So we'll just let them die. Sure. Yeah. That's a weird thing about putting stuff out into the world as you evolve as a human. That stuff doesn't evolve with you. So uh, mm -hmm. the thing is frozen on the internet or on a record or whatever, and you've moved past it. Those are just documents of who you were. So I agree with you. We don't have to talk about the stuff you don't uh, want to talk about anymore. But it, sounded, it sounds like, hmm. So you earlier, you, you described yourself as like a, you know, somewhat facetiously as a selfish uh, career-oriented comedian, and I would say uh, you have a rebellious, edgy streak, and you're you're coming across as a, a bit of a, a, a rebel, a loner uh, who maybe doesn't have a, a, a family. You know, you're robbing people. What the hell am I talking about? You used to be a little <laughs> bit uh, on your own. Is that a fair way of putting it as a comedian? Like you you're just roaming the 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 world on your own with no family, nothing like that. Is that fair? A traveling troubadour, yes. <laughs> right. Town to town. <laughs> so as a young traveling troubadour, you can say and do things in a way uh, that maybe you don't think about too much. But then as you get a family uh, and you start to talk about your family, uh, those edges can soften just a little bit as you get a little more sentimental, as you get a little older. Have you found that to be the case for yourself? Yeah, it's um, absolutely to a degree. However, there's still this monster in my head that forces me to go into certain areas. Mm. And sometimes, yeah, the family, the arguments I have with family are so inspiring when I truly disagree passionately with something my partner thinks about the world or thinks about raising a child. It is built-in conflict ready for me to use as, uh, as, as a joke. Yeah. So, yeah, as much as the edges have softened a bit, I'm also truly inspired to fight back. Like when my girlfriend and I are in, the, in a passionate argument and it is reaching <laughs> levels of it's time to just step away and take a moment uh, before we come back together to try and, you know, finish this conversation as civil-minded people. Like the word sexist might get thrown out. Oh, um, right. So now it's fun. <laughs> oh, so it's fun to so now it's fun to go to the stage and talk to the audience about am I sexist um, for saying this? Right. So now I embrace these. Uh, it, yeah. As much as the edges soften, uh, it's also sharpening my mind to uh, skillfully navigate these conversations um, with this monster I've chosen to live with. The criminal, yes, of course. We've established this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. Would you characterize uh, your uh, older comedy as being rooted in more fantastical uh, realms than maybe your current way of 
because you're talking about family stuff and actual discussions you've had, do you see any kind of mm-hmm. evolution between your fantastical side where you're just telling kind of absurd absurd jokes uh, that may not have, you know, they may not be rooted in any actual experience versus now? Is it is your show kind of a blend of the two things, reality and fantasy? Well, I didn't say fantastical. That's your word. That's but, my word. Um, yes, yes. I'm going to assume. Uh, I'm going to assume that I know what you're talking about for a second. Um, <laughs> is that un- well, is that un- every- is that unclear? Is that a bad term to use? I just mean, I don't know. No, I think not if- bad. I've just. Okay. But what do you mean fantastical? Well, I would. Yeah, that's no, fair. I feel like maybe you've told some stories that are, are full of misdirection. So created yep. some some bits, and I can't. I, I part of me is like, that's amazing. That's so funny. That probably didn't happen. You know what I mean? Whereas some comedians, when yep. they when they make observational uh, uh, jokes and create uh, bits, uh, you know, they're like, ah, I was walking down the street the other day, and you're there with them. You can picture yourself walking down the street with them, and uh, it's <laughs> it's all really relative. You know, it's like it's relatable. I should I, I should say. But sometimes with your stuff, right. some comedians. They take us on a little journey. It's it's out of it's in the universe somewhere. It's not maybe on planet Earth is what I'm coming from. Would you right. say does that does that help? I, I'm just saying some of your bits don't seem like they're from this this planet. I don't know if that makes this sense. This planet. Oh my. So some yeah. comedians are talking about I was walking down the street the other day whereas I would say I was hovering down yes. the street the yes. other day. Yes. I was hovering That's on Mars. Fantastical. Yes, I was on Mars. Yeah. The other day I was on Mars everyone. That's how some of your bits used to start. I'm I'm I'm, yeah, I'm pro- <laughs> I used to do all the planets. That was my 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 solar system album. Yeah, I, I apologize for mischaracterizing some of your earlier work, but I feel like <laughs> I, I don't. I know just wanted I, some clarity. I just wanted some clarity on yes. the word fantastical. Yes, just so the listeners know what yes. we're talking about. Yes. Um, well, I would say most things are inspired by something real. No, in the past, I, I don't think anything was too fantastical. Okay. I think that. I think that um, there were, yeah, there were clear just jokes that were constructed, uh, but most things were absolutely inspired by something real, and then I would blow it up into something bigger. Um, I used to tell a joke about a friend coming up to me, and he asked me if I, it wasn't, I think on television I said metal, uh, like, yeah. do you like metal, the the genre of music? Yeah. And um, I said no, I think, but I remember it was, do you, I can't remember what band it was, it was something like, Pant- do you like... I can't remember what it was. And I said, oh, I don't really, I'm not really a fan of that band. And then they acted out, played bass guitar or air bass guitar and hummed the, th- the song. So that was something that really happened. And then I took that and it became this big, like 12, 15 minute long bit where I would act out uh, the idea of convincing someone to like fishing by <laughs> acting out everything that could possibly happen while you go fishing. Yes. So, so I think that is, that lives in a fantastic world because you're acting out this ridiculous scenario that never took place but you know it's like any other joke it just starts with something real and then it inspires you to go even bigger with it that's a perfect um, that's a perfect example of what i was thinking of the notion that you would do okay. that yeah that's a perfect example maybe the wrong it's the wrong term it is uh creative license versus now this is also wrong it's really hard to it's really hard to nail down what i do isn't it a little bit yeah <laughs> Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, what I'm trying to get at is, do you feel like you're drawing from more personal experience these days as opposed to conjuring? There we go. We got to it. Yes. That's what I was trying to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We did I screwed up. We did. No, don't be sorry. I'm happy we were here together. This is why you're getting the Order of Canada. And congratulations on (laughs) that. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the ceremony. Yes. Uh, Is this, I don't know if the listeners know, but is this, this is a, uh, this is a scoop, right? They don't know that you're... 
You've been nominated? Well, I didn't even know I was nominated until we started this call. Yes. Oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah. That's something I, we made up before the, <laughs> before the podcast. Right. Okay, I apologize. Well, happily accept the honor. Um, absolutely. Yes. If but, anyone deserves it, it's me. But to go back to you, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I would, I, if I have a say in it, and one day I will, um, <laughs> yeah, you will receive the Order of Canada, and I'll be there to present it to you. Thank you, John. But the, um, you're welcome. The, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm definitely telling more personal stories because um, you live and breathe. It is, you know how it is with kids. It is, it's like rain. It, you're in the middle of a rainstorm. You're constantly, you have to deal with it all the time, no matter what is going on around you. So the only place that I can draw uh, inspiration is from, you know, when the diaper genie overflows, um, <laughs> you know, this kid won't go down for a nap. Yeah. Um, the thoughts I have on with very little sleep, um, vacuuming for the third time in a day uh like these things that are so mundane if you can find a creative way of telling these stories it's like going to war you know like you are you're a soldier out there in the trenches um and that's an appropriate analogy so um (laughs) yeah you have you have no choice but to fight these battles and uh you better start writing about them because it's uh, it's what you're surrounded by yeah so being sort of uh more at home you're learning about your family and that dynamic, mm-hmm. going out on the road in the uh, during a pandemic, have you learned a lot about human behavior? What have you learned uh, about our fellow humans uh, that su- has surprised you or startled you in any way as a comedian who travels uh, around the world? Now, should I say post-pandemic? Or do you mean while I was traveling during the pandemic, what did I learn? Well, let's see. Post-pandemic in, in the current vernacular just means... Since the pandemic started, or are you someone who uses that term to suggest I'm, the pandemic is over? I'm using the term over. as in the, the pandemic is over. We I no see. longer live our lives, um, generally right. speaking, uh, as if the pandemic has a hold on us whatsoever. Yeah, as if the virus is dead. Yeah. But how do you feel? Do you think that's true? I have no choice but to live my life that way now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I just went yeah. on a little road trip uh, to see uh, yes, Bob, you Bob went to Dylan. See Bob Dylan. Yeah, I went to see him three times, and that, that's unusual for me these days because I I'm not still where you are at, and also my fire for such things has gone because I'm I'm a little disappointed in humanity, like more than I was before, that we just didn't do enough about this stuff. So I wore my mask, and lots of people wore their mask during the show, and it's mm-hmm. not comfortable, it's not fun, but we did it, and thus far, I when I go out into the world and 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 behave as though there is still a pandemic. My family uh, so far, and you know, whatever, by the time people hear this, who knows what will happen, but we have not uh, contracted this virus ever, and we're trying to keep it that way. And uh, That's great. Yeah, and they play, ba- you know, my son plays basketball, my daughter goes to guides, and they go to school, and they wear their masks, and I wear my mask when I'm out at the grocery. I still, I guess what I'm saying is, and I don't mean to make this about me. Uh, no, please. But, but people like me, I think, are like, if you follow the science you're like well no it's still happening you're absolutely right consciously uh in the mm-hmm. zeitgeist people are acting like it's done but then they're, you mm-hmm. know my sorry john my uh wife's uh, uncle my uncle-in-law just passed away in the hospital went in for a lung infection contracted covid in the hospital and uh, didn't make it out in winnipeg and then uh, my mother-in-law was just in the hospital for six days with the thing and so uh, i but i don't think it's enough for people to have real and personal experience with it anymore. They've, we've all just accepted that, well, that's what's going to happen now. So it's complicated, but I'm still trying to uh, protect myself and my, and my family. Uh, so sorry for going on a little run. 
you're you have to travel, I know, and you have to uh, perform for people. And uh, I assume you have to compartmentalize that this thing or, or it sounds like you've just decided, well, that's enough of that. I'm not even going to acknowledge it. Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, my condolences. Yeah. Um, Thank you. No, it's less to do. I mean, we strictly followed rules um, for a long time yeah. and uh, followed the science as well. So masked up, especially pre-vaccine. Yes. Yes. Even post-vaccine, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, didn't travel as much. And living in Juneau, Alaska, you're not coming into contact with as many people, especially in the uh, in the middle of. Uh, I refer to things in the middle as if there is an end. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And, and and I and I know the language we're using. It's hard. It's hard to to really figure it out because what was the end date? There isn't an end date, as you just said. Um, well, and, and to further that, though, however, to further that. Sorry to interrupt. I feel like the no, world just changed. And it's not, I don't think we have the collective willpower to, we didn't have the collective willpower to stymie that change and stop it as much as we could. And that's why the nomad, the variance and everything is because we just gave up. And so now I just feel like, well, the world is never going to be the same as it was before this happened. Uh, even though some never. people are acting like it is normal and even me, I took a very mm. indulgent trip to see someone I admire deeply uh, because I think he's winding things down. But uh, yeah. but I fundamentally, and I don't think about it or talk about it too much, I just think the world has changed forever. And so when people say, what, are you going to wear a mask forever? I'm like, I guess. I don't know. I mean, unless there's some miracle thing where it eradicates yeah. itself somehow, it just stops replicating. Maybe, but apparently, I haven't been sick really also in years, so... This is maybe we. It's fine on some. Anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, please. Yeah. No, don't don't interrupt. I'm. I'd rather stay stay here. Yeah. Than move on to anything else. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, th I think to to just move on to something else wouldn't be appropriate. I. Yeah, it's strange to yeah to truly honestly look inside. Yeah, the way I feel about things is, yeah, it is absolutely selfish. I have. I've also looked at the world and I've traveled so much through the United States and Canada. Yeah. Um, but I mentioned the United States because in the midst of this pandemic, um, you know, I don't have any money coming in. So yeah. I am going, I quarantined in Winnipeg for two weeks. I quarantined in Toronto for two weeks, never left, never left that building yeah. for two straight weeks. This is, you know, pre, uh, pre vaccines. Yeah. Be and I'm trying to follow absolutely all of the rules and traveling through the United States. I've never seen in the midst of a pandemic things more loose. So when I went to Indianapolis, I mean, it might as well have been a rumor, this virus. Yeah. I mean, bars yeah. wide open, people mingling inside without masks. And this is the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Again, I know that's a, a controversial <laughs> word, the middle. Sure. But um, sure. We'll, we'll call it early 2021 right. uh, before the vaccines are really rolled out. Yeah. And and I admitted defeat uh, at one point. I looked at the way things are rolling and the way the media is choosing to talk about it and the way people are behaving. And, um, yeah, the, if you want to wear a mask, absolutely wear a mask. And I think that is probably the most responsible thing you could do. However, I also understand, you know, people, yeah, People feeling like that's in, uh, in, uh, you know, infringing on their on their day-to-day uh, -day lives and how they want to live in this world. Yeah, yeah. It's a complicated one, but uh, I'm I'm tired. 
And oh, uh, it's totally... I think I selfishly want to just yeah. wander. I want to wander through the world and pretend this vac- uh, this uh, vac- this uh, virus, yeah, virus never happened. Yeah, that's what the, that's the vibe. Not from you, but that's the vibe I think is happening uh, collectively. And um, I don't know. I'm. It's horrible. It's a horrible thing to have to say to my kids. Did you bring your mask? And right now I got them. They're twelve. They're eight. They're going to hear and listen to us, and they accept the social responsibility. But at some point, that's going to shift. And they're going to be like, "Fuck it, I don't want to do this anymore." And if I get it, I get it. Or, or maybe not. I mean, they seem th- maybe yeah. they don't shift. Yeah, they're, I mean, b- yeah. but but it sounds like you know, did you bring your mask? Isn't a big thing. And you know what? While they're out there, if they shed the mask, they shed the mask. But yeah, what? Uh, it's you're, you're tra- they're going to look and see that you are just looking out for their best interests. Yeah, and and I think the way you framed it as people being selfish, that's really resonating with them. Like they don't want to mm-hmm. cause other people harm because of this thing, and, right. and and we are losing people now to it, as predicted. I mean, God, John, you must experience this too. How many people of your vintage and mine are dying, frankly, prematurely from heart attacks and strokes? Like all the stuff they said is happening, and people are still like, well, whatever. I like to smoke. I like to drink. I like to do drugs. I like to do this. Like, this is just part of that deal now. But I think yep. you'll remember when people used to smoke in clubs. And I was a teen- yeah. teenager going to all ages shows. And I'd come back smelling a cigarette smoke. And my parents would be like, what are you smoking? I'd say, no, of course I wasn't smoking. But I was in a room uh, for four hours with other people who were. I should be fine. And then science came along and said, oh, no, we probably shouldn't have other people who are innocent bystanders, you know, suffering because of this thing, this air that people are breathing out. I don't know. That's the closest corollary I can think of, you know, like uh, your the idea of yeah being in a building and sharing uh, people's exhaled breaths. <laughs> it's the only I know it seems absurd. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't. I'm asking. Yeah, that's the analogy. That's the analogy. Um, yeah. Like you we, we asked people as a, we decided as a society that we should do things mm-hmm. like wear seat belts to protect each other and not drink and drive to protect each other. Other people, not just you. And we decided at some point, only relatively recently, I'd say in the last 25, 30 years, that uh, being in a room, you, you, sh- you can't smoke. You just can't smoke your cigarettes uh, while you're, you're in a room with people who don't smoke uh, cigarettes because you're going to cause detrimental harm to them potentially without maybe realizing it. I don't even remember people... It's a public be, health issue. It's a public yeah. health issue. This is the same thing, is it not? I don't know if it is. Um, I think that... I mean, I wear my seatbelt indoors as well. Um, <laughs> I'm extra safe. I wear, I'm wearing a helmet right now. I, I Absolutely. I'm anti-seatbelt, I'm anti seatbelt, but I do... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm pro-seatbelt. Pardon me. I'm pro-seatbelt. If I'm driving everyone in that car... Uh, the kids all wear their seatbelts. Right. Uh, however, I do smoke in the car. I do smoke in the car. Do you? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. But I crack the window. I crack the window. Good for you. Um, th- thank you. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so the analogy is uh, people smoking in a bar. So people, but what's the solution? Because even if you wore a mask, I mean, this to truly be safe, it's don't even go out. No, right? no, no. The, because the, even the, if no, you were what, to wear a mask yeah. in... The solution... You're, you're talking about reducing. You're reducing, but you're not. you're not eliminating... Because you can't smoke at all in a public place, but you have to breathe. <laughs> right. The solution for the analogy, I get it, but the solution was please stop smoking indoors uh, in front of other mm-hmm. people. There was a. There's please a, stop breathing indoors. 
please wear masks is, I guess, the corollary. That's pretty much it. If right. you wear masks, you're less but likely. You can, still, you can. Yeah, absolutely. It's, less not, full, it's not foolproof. Less yes. It's less likely depending. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. You go on the planes and you see people wearing the masks that, uh, from 2020, like the surgical mask, the mask that they already said, yeah, those aren't good enough. You need a fucking N95, Neosh. Like, it's very unaffordable for some people to buy these boxes of masks from the Costco or the pharmacy, yeah. right? But but mm-hmm. that's it. That's all we got. Uh, the things that they said from the beginning, social distancing, masking, boosters, or vaccines, nothing has really changed in that regard, I, I don't think. Uh, that's still the things, And but that's not where we're at. The, I didn't think we were going to talk about this for this long. I hope it's not too boring. But, like, the vaccination rates are lower than they've ever been. You know, people just are like, fuck it. I don't care. You're the yeah. mat. The you know we stopped saying. Did you see anyone wearing a mask? Because it's just it's sort of a show of solidarity. Yeah, actually, I did. A lot of people were wearing masks when I went to the show in Rochester. A lot of people were wearing masks when I went to Massey Hall. I was surprised. I thought because it's alienating, right? You feel like yeah. you're, you're on your own with this mask. It's heartening yeah. that people are doing it, and you kind of it's like when motorcyclists ride by each other and they salute. They kind of give each other right. a, a friendly wave. Yes. That's where the mask... Oh, that's a great that's, premise. That's that the, is a great <laughs> premise for a stand-up comedy joke. I'm not even joking. You picture the rebellious motorcycle riders. Shouldn't be on a motorcycle in the first place if exactly. they want to live a long life. Listen, I'm not and a... Now, <laughs> I don't, you, need to walk into, you need to walk into a Hell's Angels gathering with your mask on. Go, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. We are the same. Solidarity, brothers. A little wave, a little salute. I hope I don't sound yeah. like a complete chicken shit. I'm just following the uh, the rule, no. the, the science. That's all I can do, and that's where I'm coming from. the The corollary starts with scientifically, we've discovered that people should stop flying through their windshields. Scientifically, mm-hmm. we've discovered uh, that uh, we should stop uh, immersing ourselves in rooms full of cigarette smoke that aren't our own. Let alone, you shouldn't be doing it anyway. That's why we put those warnings. On everything, and you're not listening to us, but that's the best we got. A warning to tell you not to do it. And people are like, fuck it. I'm just, I don't care. If I get cancer, if I get whatever you get from all the things, I'm going to take that risk because I just want to live my life. I think COVID is mm-hmm. in the same category. That's the corollary I'm trying to make. It's just another risk factor that people, some people are willing to take because they want to enjoy their life uh, in a way that uh, suits them. Where I'm coming from, though, is yeah. in some cases, the thing you're enjoying uh, your life with might impact the person next to you in a negative way. And that's why they said, please stop smoking on airplanes. No more. We can't do it. The fact that it's 2023 and the lights that can come on the airplane are still, please, for the love of God, put on your seatbelt. And please, for the love of God, no smoking. Like at this point, who is trying to sm- And please don't go to the bathroom and smoke a cigarette. Who's doing that? Have you ever seen anyone do that on an airplane in recent years? No, no, of course not. But I think, yeah. um, I, I, I mean, in, I, I don't know internationally what cigar, cigarette, I mean, people are traveling on these airplanes, you know, around the world. So I think you probably keep that oh, right. smoking sign anyway. Right. I, I, I have, I have no idea. It's a very simple symbol to understand. There's a burning cigarette with a, a line. Through, <laughs> yes. So anyone from anywhere in the world would know, okay, no smoking, whether you're listening to the announcements or not, um, mm. or if you can understand them. But, uh, I, I, I don't know for sure, but yeah, you're still, there's still ashtrays too yes. <laughs> on the doors yeah. of the bathroom. 
shrimps and everything. Yeah. Uh, but I'm that that's just in case it comes back. You know, maybe the science will lead us to a place where they discover the cigarette smoking is actually pretty good for you. So that's <laughs> right. why they keep the it has a vitamin we need. And they keep. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. I mean, it is a plant based diet. <laughs> yes. So um, yes, it's vegan. But um, <laughs> well, I, I think, and I'm not. I'm not truly arguing the point because I actually find it admirable and uh, beyond conscientious of you to uh, follow the science and 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 uh, and and look, you, like you said, you haven't gotten. You're not. No one in your family has has gotten COVID, right? Or at least hasn't tested positive. Exactly. COVID, it can be asymptomatic, but well, that's yeah, great. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah, but that's great. And so uh, the one thing I was going to say though is it's just at one point, I mean wanting to live without a mask on I can truly understand and appreciate yes it is got to be so shedding that mask and hanging out at an outdoor concert in the summer and screaming your lungs out like there's some there's a beauty to that and this mask is is repressive in ways uh, however I also don't know how you're able to tell a society you're safer up until this point and then the lines start to blur like well wait a minute i take the mask off in this situation but i put it on in this situation and then i go to a concert and as long as i have the mask on i'm protected but not fully protected it's too gray too wishy-washy i think we're ultimately going to fall into a place where these masks are going to get shed by the majority regardless of uh of intentions aren't we already there though yeah yeah but that, that's why that's why um, I, I think we're here for a reason. Yeah. 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 I, I just so want to I, I want to I want to clarify. I hate wearing the masks at, at concerts. Yeah, yeah. I get claustrophobic. I get thirsty. The game changer for me on the second night of the two I saw at Massey Hall, the two Bob Dylan shows was my friend Steve bought me a water and I said, yeah, OK. I try not to even lift the mask, you know, when I'm in these gatherings spots like airplanes and whatnot. I just try to keep it on and power through but i had water and man that made a huge difference i was so i was much more comfortable and felt much more it's really weird they're little um prisons of some kind these masks i get it i don't like it but i'm trying to be responsible and sometimes yeah to be responsible and uh conscientious yeah you got to do things you don't like so that's where i'm at i i i admire it i think it's great have you spoken to tom green not uh no never actually i've never uh Maybe I called into his show once. I think I did interact with him once or on Twitter or something. But no, about this. No, you should do a you should do a you should have a conversation with Tom. Um, of all the people in my circle of friends, he is the one who took this pandemic very seriously and still does. Yeah, but uh, you did more than anyone. Um, he would be a great conversation. Um, oh. I should hook the two of you up because you would love to talk to him about. You know, uh, the heat he took from people for taking this pandemic seriously and following the science. And, um, and I have, too. I don't know how he truly feels about it now, but yeah. uh, you should uh, he, you would have a great conversation um, oh. uh, with Tom. Well, John, first of all, I thank you for your support and kindness towards me and, and giving me time all the times you have. And um, I, I really appreciate you. And I appreciate that sentiment. If, if you can connect me with Tom, I'd love to have him on the show. That would be great. Uh, was a big admirer of his old show and, and followed his exploits after that. Uh, uh, was that show, by the way, you're from that area, was that a, a big deal in town when uh, he had his, uh, I guess it was a c- cable access show at one point, right? And it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the it's so funny. I didn't know Tom until uh, I moved to Los Angeles. I'd actually crossed paths with him a couple times 
in Ottawa, but no, similar, similar paths in life. He, yeah, both from Ottawa. Um, Tom, of course, went to Algonquin College for TV broadcasting and then moved on to uh, Rogers Community Television and did his show there and then moved on to the Comedy Network and then MTV. I followed the same path. Uh, oh, wow. Um, hmm. uh, Algonquin College TV broadcasting and then Algonquin, or sorry, then Rogers, but I filled in for a show. I pitched my own show to Rogers. They didn't want to do it, but I auditioned for an existing show, which I did for three years there. Um, anyway, but long story short, um, yeah, Tom was uh, influential more so in just, here's a guy who is making a career out of his imagination. Just, here's what I want to do. I'm thinking of it. I'm editing it. Um, and there was a path to follow. Yeah. You would hear stories. Well, he went to this college campus. Then he went here. So everything he did, I did. Um, not, in, not in the attempt to want to be uh, like Tom in his show, but that I wanted to be on television and create my own things. Um, oh. So, yeah, he was absolutely inspiring. And the fact that, yeah, he came from Ottawa and was able to do this. Yeah, absolutely inspiring human being. So there's the Ottawa connection. Uh, someone that Tom and I, I think, both admire, and uh, I'll find out about you in a moment, was uh, Norm MacDonald. Um, Tom, Norm would be on Tom's uh, uh, internet version of his show. Uh, and then uh, Norm and I would interact sometimes as well, uh, fortunately, and... Uh, I don't know if you can tell by my cadence or the way I tend to talk. Sometimes there's Norm in me. Uh, he was a big influence on, on me. Was Norm a, a figure for you, uh, an important figure for you at all? Oh yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Norm is uh, Norm's the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, huge, huge Norm fan. I don't know. I don't know any comedians who aren't. Um, yeah. He is. Uh, he's one of the one of the best. Did you um, Did you get to interact with him much? Yeah. 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 Oh. I. Uh, I. Uh, I. Open for Norm a couple times. Um, we <laughs> spent spent a couple crazy nights in a casino in Funner in Funner, uh, California. Oh, Funner, um, Funner, just, yeah, F U N N E R. Oh, look up Funner. <laughs> that's that's um, like a word you tell you tell your kids. Uh, that's not a real word, Funner. That's what you'd say. And uh, yeah. meanwhile, they named a whole city after. That's hilarious. Yes, it's it's not a verb. It's a noun. <laughs> and so. Um, he was doing a show at the casino in Funner, California, uh, with Colin Quinn. Oh, and so nice. he, Norm, Norm is close friends with a very good friend of mine. And, um, uh, so yeah, Norm came in a couple nights early and we sat at blackjack tables for God days, days. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, that's where, uh, yeah, you, you know, you, you have a ton of fun. Um, yeah, Norm, I was very lucky to be able to spend some time with Norm. And so that that sounds like one of your major bonding experiences. How did you each fare at the blackjack tables? Norm's fascinating, right? So my buddy Tim, who's very tight with Norm, the two of them interacting is priceless. Hmm. But we sat down at the table, and Norm didn't go to the bank machine. Um, so he borrowed $2,000 from Tim, $1,000 from me, <laughs> and he lost it all, borrowed another 1000 from Tim, but he wrote it all down. He knows who he owes. Okay. And within, and he insists on, he insisted on two card, uh, two deck blackjack. Hmm. And so it, within the span of about, three hours he had built a stack paid back to him paid myself back and had another like two thousand dollars in front it was just fun to watch huh. this guy who is studying as much as he can these two decks of cards and knowing when to increase his bet and not anyway yeah he fared well and ultimately we did not <laughs> but you got your money back 
That's the important. Got thing. our money back and then yeah. lost it on roulette or something like that. But uh, no, he was—he's a gem of a human being and still very mysterious to me. You know, like I—I I, I kind of felt like I knew him, but I didn't know him. And uh, yeah, he's a very interesting guy. I'm not the best person to speak about him, but uh, no, no. Yeah, I, I, to answer your question, got got def, definitely uh, got to hang out and spend some time, and felt very lucky to, to be able to. I had the opportunity. I don't know if I told you the story before, but I had the opportunity to introduce him when he was doing stand up in Guelph. I, I want to say it was 2011 or something like that or 2010 and he was just doing these sort of smaller Canadian towns but big theaters and uh, I was tapped to introduce him and I introduced him in in very flowery and flattering language and said how much he meant to me and and, and people uh, like me who grew up and as I left the stage he uh, shook my hand and I gave him the microphone and as I was in the wings I heard Norm say man that Vish fucker really likes me and so uh, that was a really f- – all my friends heard him. They were in the audience. You know, I was backstage, and I, they just ribbed me to this day. And, and, and I guess it was a very proud moment for me uh, to get to interact yeah. with him. So sorry, I only brought him up because of the Ottawa uh, connection. Back to, I would love to, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. love to talk to Tom. And, uh, you know, my original question was, have you noticed anything uh, strange or significantly different, I suppose, about human behavior as you've been on the road, because you are going to be on the road in the near future. You're coming to Edmonton. Uh, uh, you got a bunch of tour dates, I'm guessing. Is that right? Yeah, I'll be in Edmonton November 10 and 11, and then Red Deer on the uh, 12th. That's a Sunday night show. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah. But yeah. trying to get some asses in the seats, as they say. <laughs> um, and then I'm off to uh, Regina and Saskatoon, and then Winnipeg and Brandon, and then finishing... Oh, then Canmore, and then finishing in Calgary. That's all in a two-week span. Um, and then fly back to Juneau, Alaska, and uh, let my uh, wonderful partner, Christina, go do the work she needs needs to do while I watch the kids. So right. yeah, if uh, people get a chance, go to johndoor.com for tickets and come see these shows so I can put shoes on my kids' feet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and but have and, I noticed anything different while I'm yeah. on the road? No. Uh, audiences are the same. They always have been, always mm-hmm. will. <laughs> um, yeah, I have not in, encountered anything strange or different. Okay. There was a period there where it seemed like people and audiences of any sort, NBA basketball games, people on flights, a lot, a lot of like anger, skirmishes, uh, outspoken, yeah. uh, uh, offensive language. Is, did you, is that, is that ramped uh, comedy clubs ripe for heckling, ripe for uh, people not knowing their uh, lane, if you will, anything like that? Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing that I haven't dealt with before. Yeah. Um, okay, that's good. my, in, in my experience anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe we're just we're seeing more of it because uh, cell phones are everywhere taking videos of these of these people. I don't know. But um, I haven't seen too much of it in my personal experience. All the same, steady as she goes. I'm sure there's... Good. No, that's yeah, that's great. Have you encountered a, a, the thing where people... You have to put your phone in a pouch before the show? Because I never had that happen to me before these Dylan shows Yeah, that we were alluding to. Um, have you ever played a show where people couldn't have their phones? Yeah, the, uh, Denver, the Denver Comedy Works in, uh, has that system. You have to put your cell phones in uh, that pouch. pouch. And uh, I yeah. love it. I think it's great. No distractions. Uh, keeps everyone focused on what's going on. I'm sure there's some agitated, irritable people out there. Uh, but... Yeah. They slowly, uh, they slowly, you know, just fall into the show and the rhythm of it. Uh, I think it's great. How about you? Did you was that experience okay for you or what? It was great. I mean, yeah. I loved it, frankly, because I'm not, 
I'm one to take the odd blurry photo at a show with my stupid phone, knowing full well I'm not. It's not going to look great, uh, mm-hmm. really, but uh, just to capture the experience. And I have found that sometimes uh, these days, in particular, uh, bands don't mind if you do it because it sort of helps uh, upsell the tour they're on. You know that someone was. You're, you're kind of helping promote the tour by just putting your a photo of them on Instagram. Uh, but personally, yeah, I don't want to be looking at... I wouldn't be looking at my phone uh, during a show, except uh, we all have this weird compulsion to document everything in these shitty low-grade formats. Yeah. And I couldn't, and, and that was fine. It was all well it. and good. It's a li- I hate it. I cannot stand being at a concert and a thousand phones are out in front of me while I'm looking at yeah. the show. I cannot stand it. But again, as a con- I asked you a broad question. The fact that we as humans have to be asked to not be dicks at movie theaters, at concerts. This is what I'm kind of getting at. I, this has always been the case. Humans need a few rules, and there needs to be a social contract enforcement. I wonder what it's like for some people who can't be on there. I heard a, a, a rich—they looked rich. I heard like an older couple— complaining incessantly about the phone pouches before the Massey Hall show in Toronto, the first one I attended. People don't like having their rights infringed upon. Is this a rights infringement thing, do you think? No. It's a rule. You don't have to go to the concert. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, you're buying a ticket. Yeah. We're on the same page. And what what they're saying is, please don't have your phone out because it bothers other people. Yeah, uh, and, among and, other and for things, pe- for people who don't know, it's not like they take your phone. The phone is on you. It's just yes. in a pouch that you cannot open um, until um, you walk the out. End of the night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or whenever you okay. want to, whenever you want to leave. If the phone call is more important, you're allowed to go, go un- unlock the phone and have your conversation outside. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think for some people who may have kids at home with a babysitter, it would be good to access your phone. No, if there's, there's, an, if no, there's no, an emergency, no, 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 no. because no? prior okay. to cell phones, it's not like you know they would call the venue and stop the show and find the <laughs> That's person true. in the audience. So, and, and <laughs> so true. here's the and now you could argue. Well, now we're accustomed to these phones and reaching out. Well, then before you go to the concert, here's your backup plan. Here's the emergency yeah. contact number you call. They will help you out while we're at the That's- concert for two hours. That's a good call. All right, I think you and I are on the same page. Uh, same page about humanity and immersing ourselves in live events. Uh, I feel like we're mostly on the same page. It's uh, it's gratifying for me to hear that, uh, John. I, I, I admire you deeply, uh, greatly well, even. I, I, if anything, we can have a respectful conversation. Yes. Yes, we can. You and I, <laughs> for sure. That's, that's what for we sure. were made to do. Yeah. Now, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't. We've talked about your comedy tour. You got some other stuff in the works? Are you working on something that you can share at this point? I know sometimes in gestation mode... You don't want to talk about scripts or shows or anything like that, like TV shows or movies or anything. Well, like that. I I don't even think I'm allowed to, um, because of the act the 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 SAG strike. Um, oh, correct. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. So I don't even think I can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. So so for for all intents and purposes, you don't have any other plans besides doing stand up. Yes. There's nothing coming out on November seventeenth. Oh, okay, nothing at all that yeah. we should look out for on November seventeenth, twenty twenty three. That Correct. may or may not involve one John Doerr. Okay, I, I think I hear what you're saying. We're not promoting anything. Nothing. Uh, oh, I'm not coming. allowed to. No, no vehicle or project of John Doerr's will be released on November seventeenth. No way. Correct. Absolutely not. That's okay. right. And I want to make that clear. 
This is on the record. Or any other day of the year. Or any other day of the year, for that matter. Right. Specifically November 17th. Right. Okay. How about this? Let me just (laughs) dial into your your stand-up for a second. What about a special? Any plotting of a a comedy special at some point? Well, so I released an album uh, a couple years ago. Actually, won the Juno for that album. Congratulations. Appeared in person in Edmonton. (laughs) And got to see your lovely face. Yes. And... uh, yeah, so that was the the last uh, kind of big stand-up project I put out into the world. I have another album ready to release, but I don't know if I'm going to release it, because part of me thinks, to answer your question, I should record a special instead. Um, mm. But, you know, it's tough. Like, you know, you, you, you can go to a, a network and say, hey, do you want to do this? But uh, Crave isn't doing specials this year. They didn't do any mm. of Just for Laughs. And then Netflix is a tough gig to get, and so it's kind of you're kind of left up to yourself to fund it, produce it, and hope you make the money back. So that's the only thing kind of holding me back as far as recording a special is: uh, do I want to spend all my money uh, on a special and then wait for the return, or do I want to just travel and tell some jokes and come home and hang out with the fam? So yeah, to answer your question, don't know yet. For what it's worth, I've had some comedians on recently, Sam Morell. Uh, David Cross, Hari Kondabulu, all talking about how they just put their stuff up on YouTube or in some, in David Cross's case, it was like a, uh, you had to pay to get it kind of thing. More of a, a Louis C.K. model, I suppose. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of like independent releasing of stuff. Or in Sam's case, he put it out for free as a tour driver. Uh, that's what uh, he said, uh, David Letterman at, on you know, obviously, Sam is on a, a very uh, high level right now, I suppose. And so he's getting to interact with David Letterman uh, on that Netflix thing they did. And David Letterman's like baffled that he would put out a whole special for free on YouTube. And Sam's like, well, that's how I get people in to come out to see me. Like, it's more of a tour driver. That's why I do all these free things like podcasts and specials. It's really yeah. to get uh, asses and seats. Um, do you yeah. share that kind of mentality or do you see where he's coming from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, a, if, yeah, I mean, it's tough now because I don't get out on the road enough because I'm spending a lot of time with, with, uh, the kids at home. Yeah. Um, if I, again, if it was just me out there and my sole goal was turning over material and hitting a different club every weekend and performing, then yeah, I could see myself doing that. Yeah. Uh, however, maybe I have to lose that. That Sam's a great example of, uh, maybe it's time to just throw material out and get people to come and earn the money on, uh, on ticket sales. Uh, I, I, I absolutely admire it and appreciate it. Um, yeah. I wish I was a little riskier with how I promoted myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, uh, understand that and agree with it. Look, we had like a little, uh, humor resources, human resources moment just now. I was we giving, did. like, I became a slight uh, guidance counselor. I'm sorry. Who am I to tell you what to do? But just telling you what's out there, I suppose, in the ether. Yeah. People- you are telling me what's out there. And it makes me think. And that's what's important here is getting these minds <laughs> thinking, get the hamster spinning in the wheel a little bit. Um, oh, you know, my sister and I are, are, are releasing a podcast in the new year, uh, called Brother Sister. So, oh, nice. Uh, this is Allison, kind of Allison, Allison Dor. Is that your sister? That's right. Allison yeah. Dor and John Dor. Uh, yeah, the podcast. So we've recorded a few already. We kind of did some tests and we like them so much. We're just going to put them out. Uh, oh, great. But that'll be in the new year. So that's something else to kind of look forward to. And hey. uh, I got to go subscribe to your, uh, I got to go subscribe to your OnlyFans or no, your, uh, what's it called? <laughs> your Patreon. Yeah. I don't have an OnlyFans yet, uh, but who knows what the world will, uh, make me do at some point no that's very kind of you for saying that thank you for for saying that john and uh, i look forward to that podcast 
Uh, okay, there's a couple things I want to do. If you've already done it, you've pointed people to your website. I think if people want to follow you, keep tabs of, on what you're up to, where's the best place to do it online uh, besides uh, your website? Uh, yeah, well, you go to at TV's John Door Instagram or Twitter, uh, Twitter uh, or X, whatever we're calling it these days. Just go to my Instagram at TV's John Door. That's where I try and post some fun videos, and uh, I'll post all my tour dates and where you can see me there. So at TVS John Door, J O N D O R E. That's where you can okay. find out what's going on. Now, you did put out, uh, just so people who are uh, unfamiliar with Canada aren't confused, John is currently living in Juneau, Alaska. But in Canada, the equivalent of the Grammy Awards is the Juno Award. Now, they're spelled differently, uh, so don't get too confused. John, I wondered if we could go out on something from your Juno Award-winning and Juno Alaska-inspired album uh, that uh, people might uh, get a flavor of your comedy from. Is there a bit or something from your record that we can go out on right now? I couldn't even tell you. I can't even remember the track list. Uh, I think uh, you, you just play play the first track. Okay. It'll introduce you to who I am. It was recorded in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, yeah, the first track would be me talking about, I believe it's me talking about uh, my immigration status as a uh, green card carrying American. Okay. Or Canadian, green card carrying Canadian living in the United States. Right. Okay. Let's let's hear. It. This is uh, some some recent and award winning comedy by the great John Dor. John, always a, a tremendous pleasure uh, to get to speak with you. I I do appreciate your support uh, for me as well, and uh, I wish you the best of luck in the future. And hopefully, if all goes well, I will see you in Alberta, and other people will as well. Thanks again, and best of luck in the future. Hey, that Vish really fucking likes me. <laughs> I've heard that before. You'd be surprised, yeah. Thank you for having me. Not only here at the club, but in your country. I'm a, uh, I'm a Canadian. I'm a, a carbon-based life-form Canadian human who uh, am happy to be here. Um... I'm allowed to be here. I also have a green card. So some Americans, uh, they get concerned. Like, are you, are you eligible to work here? Are you taking a job? No, I'm not. Your government said, welcome. You can be here. And it's true. I, I emigrated here. I'm an immigrant. Uh, refugee, actually. Uh, came here after the Great War broke out that most of us remember. I think we all remember where we were when we heard the news. When the Vancouver Canucks lost to the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. And uh, people were flipping cars and lighting stuff on fire. I mean, it was chaos in the streets. And I said, the hell with this communist nightmare of a country. I'm moving to America where there is no civil unrest. And lovely ambassadors like yourselves have welcomed me, like all Americans have. They say, welcome, immigrant. Welcome. I only work three hours a week. 
I mean, I hate to reinforce a stereotype, but I'm starting to think some of these immigrants, they are a little fucking lazy. So I have to stay in a hotel when I visit Madison. And I have a microwave in my hotel room. Yeah. I have no problem bragging about that right now in front of all of you. I love when I get a hotel room with a microwave. Yeah. I don't cook anything in it. But I always run it. What's the longest you run a microwave with nothing in it, huh? Five hours last night I ran my microwave. Oh, the hum of it puts me right to sleep. It's like a white noise machine. Just drift off peacefully. I set the alarm on it, too, for five hours. Bing! Wakes me up. Thank you, microwave alarm clock. It's dual purpose. Triple if you cook in it, but I'm not a monster. Got a Bible in my hotel room as well. You know they're still doing that? Bible. Who is that for? You ever just open the nightside table to see, is there a Bible in here still? Are we still doing this? You're like, oh, my goodness. We are. No one reads it. I don't know who it's for. You ever leaf through it? The pages aren't dog-eared. No one's ever read it. They're crisp. They're perfect. If you're a Jesus freak, you bring your own Bible. I know. No one's reading the Bible. It serves no purpose having a hotel room Bible. Oh, wait, maybe it does. Maybe I've spoken too soon here. Maybe it does serve a purpose. Like, yeah, maybe you're a weary traveler and you're in a different city every week and you're missing your family. You're sad. You're depressed. And maybe you're thinking of just ending it all. And then you remember, all oh, the Bible. I could stand on that and hang myself. Maybe it does serve a purpose. So don't judge a book by its cover. That's the point. Especially the Bible. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Well, I've never really thought of the Bible as a multi-use object, but uh, I guess you learn something every day. Thanks to John Doerr for uh, being on this show. This was the 818th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you can't locate an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it everywhere and you can't find it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. Also, you can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on uh, Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. And I'm on some of the other social media things too, Blue Sky and uh, uh, Threads. Is that what it's called? I feel like I'm blanking on the name. The Instagram, you know, the fake Twitter on Instagram? Threads? I'm on there, and uh, you'll find me if you look for me. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. I'm getting more serious about this. I'd like more money in the Patreon to justify all the work, and I, I can't shake this feeling that I need to do something about this and maybe some sort of campaign or a fundraising drive to get people to the Patreon. Oh, I can feel it. It's coming. I want to do something just to see if it's possible. And then and then if it doesn't work, I got to make a decision. I don't want to make like an unreasonable goal, you know? I mean, it's, it's very low right now, but what if I could get like $2,000 a month or $3,000 a month? Is that crazy? I mean, I look at some of these other shows. They're making like $12,000, $14,000, $15,000, $16,000 a month. And I can't get to three. I should be able to get to three. Can I? This show, it's all the time. It's busy. Good guess. Some good conversations, isn't it? Anyway, I, I, this is what i got to formulate. Why am I talking about this now? If you can, uh, support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Uh, $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. You get episodes earlier than everybody else. And if you'd like a Creative Control t-shirt, remarkably, I still have some sizes left, although I am running low. So if you, if you donate to Patreon, message me. That $6 or more amount, uh, $6 or more a month amount, which is hard to say, uh, let me know. I'll uh, send you a note. Send me a note on Patreon and I'll try to get you a shirt. Thank you very much. Also, want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in kind support for this show. All wonderful independent businesses. I hope you can support uh, similar sounding independent businesses in your own neck of the woods. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for lending me some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim, jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this fun episode with John Doerr. I enjoyed myself. I love John so much, and it's. Uh, I hope you go see him uh, live if he's coming to your uh, town there. And uh, I hope you subscribe to the show and tell your friends about it and spread the word about creative control. All right? Talk to you very soon. Thanks again. Be well. Bye for now. <laughs>